So, who are you? I'm just call a boy. Earlier today, our hero in action. Oh, somebody can help me? Oh, my cannot starting. Hey, brah, brah, you can come help me. Miss, what seems to be the problem? We'll start. We'll start. You get gas? Yep. Okay, get gas. Let me check them out. Let me check them out. Oh, that's the problem right there. That's the problem. You just gotta what rub. Is that, I, get, I get some poi. I'm gonna rub some poi right there. Okay. Okay. Eat it. Hey, you go, eh? Boy does the trick. Do you know why you're here? I have no idea why, why I'm here right now. I just love poi, and I think poi heals everything. Poi is good. There's power in the poi. Oh, these guys. Gotta fix the crack. Oh, yeah. So what's so super about poi or kalo? I have no idea. I just even rub off all the stuff on the top and I'm eating the bottom pot. Oh, all about hot right now. Oh, you gotta protect your head here. Some poi for that. Here we go. We just rub that on real good right there. Here you go. Here, stick this on that bucket. Stick them on right there. Cover your head. Well, so what happens if there's no poi? Almost. In a world where people need help, some cry out for justice. Others call upon the help of the Super Duper Squad. Tune in next week for the final episode of The Super Duper Squad. Oh, can we just thank them for uh, doing that? <laughs> you know, we are, we are in this series talking about identity, and with that kind of identity, you will have a crisis. But if we are who we are supposed to be in God, then that minimizes the crisis that we go through in a world full of, you know, computerized, uh, computer-generated imagery and movies and, and Photoshop and, and uh, very well-trained uh, actors on the movie screen, we tend to believe that this is what life is supposed to look like. And then bringing it closer to home when it comes to performance and pressure, we actually live in a society that says perform no matter how difficult it is behind the scenes, no matter what you're going through, don't bring that to work. You perform so that you can get paid so that we can do well. Or we give in to the pressures of society or peer pressure or the pressures of the ways of the world. And so when we give in to that, we actually become who we're not supposed to be. And we get used to that, not even realizing that we're living a life that is not intended for us, that is not intended us, uh, not intended for us to live. And I think if we're to look to God and if we're to find our fit with Him, then we begin to realize our identity is really in God, not in what we do, not in our performance, not necessarily in uh, the way we conduct ourselves, 
ourselves, but in the way we live for God. And I think all of us are here today as a result of God seeing a bigger picture for our life. That even though we may give in to pressure or we, we perform, we don't want to be people who just perform in the world. Or, or as we say it, we, we use this phrase, fake it till you make it. And we're not talking about the kind of performance that at work you perform well so that you can do well as far as being excellent. It's, it's deeper than that. The kind of performance that says, no matter how I'm doing, I'm just going to fake like I'm doing well. For instance, when we see each other and we say, how are you doing? We say, oh, good, I'm doing good. But really, on the inside, we're not. I mean, imagine if we were to be honest with each other when we're not doing well. And I think we don't say we're doing well or not or we're, we kind of let out all of our junk on people because we don't, we don't know them well or we don't, we, don't, we don't trust people. Because if we were to be honest when someone says, how are you doing? And if we were to say, oh, horrible, horrible, marriage falling apart, kids, oh, I, cannot, I cannot handle my kids. Uh, how are things going? Bad, going bankrupt. How are things going? Horrible. My car just broke down. I'd borrow yours. How are things going? Oh, horrible with my wife. She don't listen to me. Oh, horrible with my husband. He don't listen to me. I mean, if we were to be honest, how would our conversations be? How would you respond to people when they, if they, you were to ask them, how are you? And they would say, oh, I'm doing horrible. And how do you respond? And so we live in a society that says, I don't want to bother you, so I'm just going to put on a facade and say everything's fine. Now, I understand being polite. I understand that. I understand if we don't have time to talk to people and we just say, oh, we're doing great, then no problem. But really what happens is it starts to seep into our heart and our character, our integrity. And so we start to live a life that gives in to pressure and a life based on performance. And we do that all the time with people. We live in such a way or we behave in such a way that we don't want people to know that something is going wrong or, or something is happening. Uh, some time ago, Heidi and I were at a hotel and I left my slippers in the car. So I wasn't going to walk all the way back to my car just to go to the swimming pool. So I'm going to bare feet it. I'm just going to walk bare feet. And so I'm not a barefoot person that just walk around. Some of you guys are. You just, you just walk bare feet all over the place, and so you're good to go? Well, we're at the hotel, and I'm okay with just walking to the pool. Problem, though, is the ground is hot. So it is hot. And you have, uh, you know, like how they have those nice granite stones and, and just uh, various types of tile? Now, it's in the blazing hot sun. So by the time we get out there, it is hot. So we got to make our way to the pool as quick as possible because my feet are burning. Heidi, of course, says, do you want to use my slipper? I'm like, no, those are women's slippers. I'm not going to use those. I can't even fit in those things. So she says, okay, burn then. So we get to the pool, and then we're done. Now i got to go back to the hotel, and it's, now the ground has been baking even that much longer. So as we're walking back, I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? Well, so I, I start walking where there's shade. So I'm walking all crooked and, you know, all over the place. Then I look for areas where people have walked and their water is there, which is gross. But, hey, too bad. My feet were burning. So I'm walking in those. And then I see the little, little kitty uh, pools. And I walk in there and say, hi, how are you guys doing? Just borrowing the water, cooling off. And then I walk out. And as I'm going, after a while, I feel like an idiot. I'm like, man, who cares what I look like? I don't, I don't care what people think. I'm just going to walk on a dirt path. So by then, I walk on a dirt path. Two local brothers see me and I was like, oh, brother, what? Hot. <laughs> I was like, yeah, hot. You take off your slipper, see if you handle. 
But it, I don't know, something in me was saying, I don't want other people to know my feet are burning. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just, it's like we have to have an image to say, you're okay. You're fine. And I think we grow up with that. Like we say that to our children. They get hurt. Ah, no worry, not broken. Not broken. Stop crying, not broken. That's why when we grow up, we get hurt. We don't even admit it because we don't want anyone to know something's wrong. But God gives us a way to not give in to pressure or to perform so that we can live the true life that he's given to us, our identity, our true identity. You know, everything can be taken away from us, but not our true identity. It's actually not taken away from us. We, we just push it on the side or we don't live up to it because we're afraid. But God gave us something to remind us of our identity. It's our fingerprints. That that is a reminder that there is no one else like you. No one even comes close to who you are and who God is making you to be. It's a reminder. May we never forget that. There's a story in the Bible that we're going to take a look at. 1 Samuel chapter 15, if you want to turn there. If not, I'll, I'll read the scripture to us. But this is a story of a man by the name of Saul. And some of you may know this story. And Saul's going to, we're going to kind of learn from his life that we too can sometimes just put a facade and, and make like things are okay and, and, and in the ways of the world kind of walk into the little kiddie pools of life and try to, try to cool down and, and not take responsibility for who God is making us to be or even for our mistakes or the things that we have done. But in this story that, that we're going to take a look at, we're going to learn not to give into pressure just to fit in or to perform so that we keep a certain image because this kind of mentality, once it gets into our heart, it, it, it ruins our character and our spirit. And maybe you've tried things to erase like the guilt and the shame and so maybe that's why we put up a, a facade. Maybe that's why we give into pressure. Maybe the shame of our past sins are still there. So we try to do good deeds, but good deeds never, never take away all the so-called bad that we've done. We try good deeds, we try to come to church, we try different religions, certain type of religious rituals, or certain type of religious beliefs. Maybe, maybe you've come to a place in life that you said, I just forget it, I'm throwing in the towel. And maybe now we're trying to live in a world based on performance so that all of that junk goes away and all the weight is gone, but we still can't shake it off. We ultimately know that we can't lift ourselves by giving in to performance or pressure from any type of spiritual debt that you and I think we ought to pay. There's no good deed that can take away the, that shame and guilt. But we try it. It just never goes away. We know our good deeds will never outweigh our bad deeds, but we still try. We try to shake it off, but it doesn't, it doesn't happen. But that's the power of our identity in Christ it's his forgiveness that pays the debt that our performance can never pay. It's his forgiveness for us that a good deed would never be able to take away. It's, it's, it's his love for us that allows us to live our true identity. Not in what other people will say or our performance. And that's what we're going we're gonna to learn today in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is where where Israel is having their first king. 
And Samuel also said to Saul in verse 1, chapter 15 of 1 Samuel, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over Israel, over his people. Now therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. Now listen to God's careful instructions. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. And it may seem pretty brutal, but if you knew the Amalekites, you would understand why God is saying this. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Canaanites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites. He took him alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. It sounds like Saul obeyed the voice of God. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the ox and the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. In verse 10, now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself and has gone around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. So this is what Saul does. First of all, he doesn't obey the Lord. He doesn't perform what God said. He performs what he wants. And so now when all is done, he puts together his own ceremony and his own monument. It's, it's kind of like he, does a, he, he sings his own song. And because no one awarded him, he says, I'm going to put on my own ceremony and I will be the judge of this award show. And oh, I win. Yay. So I get a trophy. That's what he did. So he does this whole thing. And now Samuel, in verse 13, went to Saul. And, and then Saul says to him, oh, blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Now he wants to look good. So he's now putting on the facade of I am holy in God's sight. Oh, blessed are you, Samuel. Samuel's a prophet. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. For I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Now Saul begins to lie now. And still performing. He's now performing a lie. But Samuel said, then what?" What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen, which I hear? So Samuel is saying, wait, what are you saying, Saul? Oh, blessed are you in the name of the Lord because I have carried out the commandments of the Lord. 
Samuel saying, wait, I, I can't hear you because of the sheep that you're supposed to kill. They're kind of bleeding. Meh. What are you saying, Saul? Uh, Blessed are you in the name of the Lord, for I have carried out the meh, commandments of the Lord. And that's all you hear. And, and Samuel saying, hang on. You, you don't get it, do you, Saul? You don't get it. What is the bleeding of sheep that I hear? I should not hear the sheep nor the oxen lowing. But you're saying something different. You're not getting it, Saul. And Saul said, well, oh, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. So it sounds like, it sounds good. But what, what Saul is trying to do is justify. Now he's trying to blame. He's saying, no, it wasn't me. It was the people. The people spared them. But we're going to offer it to God. It, it, it's going to be a good thing, but we destroyed everything else. What Saul is trying to do is justify his behavior by saying, okay, yeah, we did some bad things, but look at all the good things we did. But we're learning that no good deed will cancel out a bad deed. No good deed can cancel out a bad deed. And we try to live that way. Does that mean we don't do any more good deeds? No, we do good deeds as a result of because God is good and he lives in us and it's a result of our relationship with God we want to do good deeds. Not so that we can cancel out a bad deed or try to work out our forgiveness to try to do good deeds so that, oh, now I can receive your love and your forgiveness. No, how many good deeds can we do? And so Saul is stuck. He doesn't know what to do. But then Samuel says to Saul, be quiet. It's a nice way to put it. Be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And so Saul says, well, speak on. And Samuel said, you know when you were little in your own eyes? In other words, when you just began, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Yep, yep, he did. Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, so now he's repeating the words that God said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them. Until they are consumed. Saul says, yep, that's what the Lord said. Then why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. It's like Saul is still not getting it. And gone on the mission which which the Lord sent me. And brought back King Agag of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, I can't even imagine his patience. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. So he's trying to get Saul back to, like, back to level ground. Like, Saul, stop with, the, with the, the lying and the blaming. Just come back to what God said. And so Samuel says this to Saul. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Now, God didn't reject Saul 
as a person, he rejected his position as king. God loves us, but rejected him from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, okay, I have sinned. I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said, and Saul, still not, he's still not getting it. He's still trying to perform. But Samuel said, I'm not going to return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Kind of like saying to him, Saul, listen, you're, you're still not getting it. You're no longer anointed king of Israel. Why am I going to support you as king when you're not king anymore? You're not getting it, Saul. It's not, it's not seeping into your heart. You're trying to think your way out of this. And Samuel, as Samuel turned around to go away in verse 27, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. We don't like hearing that. We don't like hearing when when there's someone better than us. So we try to outperform we hate hearing it when another team is better than us, another player is better than us, a family is better than us, a man, a woman, better than us. We don't like hearing that. But this is what Samuel was saying to Saul. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. And Samuel is saying that that is how God is. He is the strength. Then he said, I have sinned. Now you're thinking Saul's going to make a change. Here it is. I have sinned. Yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord. Now this entire story helps us to understand that we give into pressure all the time. Saul gave in to pressure. He gave in to performance because he wanted to please the people rather than the God whom he served. See, but the power of the identity that we have in Jesus comes with it, his promises and his purpose. It's his forgiveness that pays the debt that our performance could never pay. And it's based on his performance and his power that we're able to live this life for Christ with our God-given identity. See, we can all learn how to turn that performance and, and pressure into purpose and power by looking at these three foundational biblical principles. And the first one is very simple. Listen to God's voice more than any other voice. It's simple, just hard to apply Listen to God's voice more than any other voice. We grew up like that, right, with our parents. That's the one voice we were supposed to obey. And I remember, like, when we'd play outside, what time were we supposed to come home? Yeah, before dark or when the street lights come on. Yeah, that was the warning sign. When you saw street lights popping on, you're running home. Now, we didn't, thank God for summertime because then the sun was up longer. But we had to be home at a certain time. And mom would say, or dad would say, make sure you're home before dark. Make sure you're home before streetlights come on. And we'd watch the streetlights and, and we'd be playing football. And, and, then, and I remember this one day that we, would, we were playing football and, and the streetlights started to come on, but we were losing. And so 
we needed to win. I ain't going home losing. So it started at an early age, my competitiveness. But by then, the streetlight started to come on. I was like, come on, let's just hurry up, play, let's go. And then I came home late. And standing before mom is the worst thing when they continuously say, but what did I say? But mom, you don't understand. No, mom, mom, listen, listen, mom, listen, listen. No, what did I say? No, mom, listen, Linda, Linda, listen, 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 mom, listen. And, okay, this, this is what happened, mom. No, I don't care what happened. No, mom, listen, okay, mom, just listen. Okay, you're going to be very proud of me. We were losing. We were losing. And no way I'm going to bring shame to the Loxena clan. So we won the game, mom. We won the game. You won the game? Yes, mom. We came from behind. Yes, the streetlights came on. I was scared, but I was thinking, no, mom's going to be proud of me. I'm be proud of me. So, mom, we won. You won? Yay, yay, you won. Good. You're grounded. Get in the room. We still got scoldings for it. We still got discipline for it because all mom cared about was what did I say? Dad will say, what did I say? Because I tell you this, the reason why our parents say, obey my voice more than any others, is because your parents will lay down their life for their children. Our parents, they'll give anything for their children. Our parents will be there when everyone else skips out. Now, maybe you've grown up in a family that maybe dad wasn't there or mom wasn't there. Maybe they did skip out. You know what God says? I will lay down my life for you. I will never skip out. I will always be there for you. So listen to my voice more than any other voice. Saul didn't catch that. And he thought he did. He said, no, I, did. I performed all the commandments of God. And Samuel says, no, you're not getting it. You didn't even obey God. God said to wipe them all out. Did you obey him? Well, I, I kind of, the, the people, the voices of the people, they told me keep the king, keep the sheep, the best, and we're going to offer it to God. See, things can look good, but is it God? People can say good things, but is it God things? Otherwise, we're going to give in to performance and pressure. We perform for an applaud and we give in to pressure to be accepted because of the pressures of the world. You know, submarines are created in such a way so that when they hit a certain depth, they can, they can take in the pressure. So submarines aren't built to look good. It looks like a burnt hot dog. It's not built to look good, but it's built to withstand the pressure as it goes deeper and deeper. And so it is with us that performance and pressure in itself is not really the issue. The issue is our mentality. And like the strength of the hull of a submarine, so should our mentality be. That we're not going to give in to the pressure. We've got to build that mindset to be like Christ. The issue is the reason why we give in to these pressures. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, it says, Therefore, whoever, which means no one's excluded, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. In other words, all this pressure is going to come, but because you hear these sayings of mine and do them, you're able to withstand all that pressure. We've got to listen to God's voice more than any other voice. And then secondly, do not compromise. Don't compromise what God has already spoken. 
God has already given us things to, to live by and some values to live by, some, some key biblical principles to live by. And he says, don't, don't compromise what I've already spoken in our marriages, when Heidi and I got married, we already knew that we're not going to compromise the vows that we've made. That no matter how difficult it is for us, divorce wasn't an option. We're going to work it out. No matter how difficult it is, we're going to work it out. Now, some of you might be in a, a terrible situation, an abusive situation, or, or, or maybe infidelity took place. Whatever it is, I'd say go get help. And do everything possible so that at the end of it, you can say, I did everything possible, whether it's, a, whether it's a hit or miss, that you're saying, I did everything possible. Why? Because I'm not going to compromise what God has already spoken. God already spoke to Saul, and he says, this is what I've already said. I don't need to speak again. But Saul justified his behavior. See, performance and pressure should never be the standard which life should be measured. It should be what God has already spoken. Performance says, look at me. That's what performance says. Performance says, look at me despite the consequences. Obedience says, look to God despite the results. Because sometimes we don't want to obey God because we, we don't know what the results are going to look like. But God says, no, no, you obey me. Let me take care of the results. Because with performance, we cut corners, we backstab, we put others down, we demean, we condescend. We're more concerned about us rather than someone else, no matter what the consequence. And pressure says, what, what I do, and when I do what I say, and whatever I do, when I perform, they will like me. Whatever, whatever I'm going to do, when I do what, what they say, they will like me. And so we give in to pressure. But purpose says, Lord, when I do what you say, I will like me. Why give in to pressure when at the end we didn't even like ourselves? We hate what we do. We hate what we did. But when we have purpose and we go to God... When we do what he says, we like ourselves better. We're more proud of ourselves, not in a prideful way. But when we give in to pressure, we make decisions based on pure emotion with no wisdom and no rational thinking. That's why the Bible tells us in James 1, 5 through 8, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And I think we've, we've tried to gain wisdom from, from life experience, upbringing and reading and things like that. But really the best wisdom for our true identity is from God himself. And yes, we've made mistakes. Yes, we're doing things that are not pleasing to God. Yes, we're compromising. So here's the last thing. Let's all do this. Let's take responsibility for our actions. Let's just take responsibility for our actions. And, and, and it can be a little difficult because we live in a society that politically corrects even the wrongs we do. And instead of admitting our faults, no, we... we, we we gingerly walk around it and we say it in such a way that it seems okay. So we verbally cover our mistakes and our sins. 
We say it nicely. But it's still wrong. We don't take responsibility. We, have, we even have people in, in, in leadership positions never take responsibility. Make some mistakes. Goes public. Deal with it. Do an interview. Done. It's in the past. I carry on. No responsibility. Continue to do the same thing over and over, just in different ways. May we never be that kind of society, especially as believers, but that we take responsibility for our, our actions. Otherwise, we will give in to the pressure of wanting to look good in front of others and will perform to match what, we've shouldn't, what we should have taken responsibility for. And then we become like Saul. We start lying. We start blaming. We start justifying. And we can't even hear God anymore. I don't ever want to come to that place where we can't even hear God. When we yell at someone out of anger, we got to take responsibility. Make it right. Ask for forgiveness. Don't just brush it over and then be nice later. That's not, that's not repentance. Repentance is actually changing and heading in God's direction, stopping what we're doing and heading in God's direction. Repentance is not sorry. It's two different things. Because sorry can mean I got caught, now I need to admit it, sorry. Sorry can mean I feel bad of what I did. Sorry. Repentance has nothing to do with feeling, but everything to do with action. Repentance says, I'm stopped. I'm going to stop doing that, and I'm going to follow God. That's what repentance is. Sorry is more emotional. Sorry, you can, kind of, you can kind of massage a little bit. You can kind of play with it a little bit. But repentance, there is no, there's no playing with it. It's, it's either you repented or not. That's why the Bible says bear fruit unto repentance. That means when we repent, there's a good outcome. There's going to be fruit. There's going to be success at the end of it. Otherwise, we just brush off what we've done wrong on the side and we destroy character, our integrity. If we did wrong, make it right. If we're hurting someone, stop. Take responsibility for our actions. If you lied, make it right. In fact, when Saul was dealing with this and, and Samuel was trying to kind of get through his head, at the end of that uh, chapter 15, around verse 31, when Samuel turned back after Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord, in verse 32, Samuel said, bring King Agag to me. Bring him to me. Bring the king of the Amalekites. So Agag came to him cautiously. I mean, I would too. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death has passed. So King Agag was feeling good about it. He was thinking to himself, okay, this, he's going to spare me. But Samuel said to him, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord. In other words, Samuel took responsibility for what Saul should have done. And Samuel took on that responsibility. And although the actions were carried out, and what God wanted ultimately, Saul lost it all. It ultimately was, everything was accomplished. But Saul missed his opportunity. Saul could have been. But because he disobeyed, disobeyed he would never become. 
But Samuel carried it out. It was going to happen anyway. If Saul could, could have seen what was going to take place, he would have said, you know what? I should obey the Lord because it's going to happen anyway. I'd rather, I'd rather obey you than listen to any other voice. I'm not going to compromise. I, I'm going to carry out the responsibility that you gave to me. But he didn't. See, there are many things that will be lifted from our lives burdens and whatever else. People will leave our lives. We'll lose jobs. We'll, we'll, we'll lose finances. Our, our families will go up and down. But it was the hand of God that was lifted from Saul. There are many things that are survivable, many things that can be taken away from us. But the one thing we don't ever want lifted from our lives is the hand of God. Everything else can be survivable. We can survive it. God can replenish. He can, he can renew. But when his hand is lifted from us because of this disobedient kind of lifestyle, we're on our own. And at that point, we won't even hear God, even if someone came to us and explained it all like Samuel did to Saul. And Saul still couldn't get it because the hand of God was off of his life. So the question is, what kinds of responsibilities do we have as a man, as a woman, as a child, as a student, as a teacher, as a worker, business owner, CEO, what kind of responsibilities do we have? And I guess it depends on our position. Maybe a supervisor or a coach, an employee, a single person. We just need to remember that your position will never make you. You make the position when your identity is in Christ don't let the outside environment, which can cause performance and pressure, to influence and ruin the inside environment of character and consistency. The outside environment is going to happen, but don't let it ruin the inside because your greatest influence in this world is your God-given identity. Not performance, not given into pressure. So do not be deceived as Galatians 6 7 through 9 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You know what the Bible is telling us? No matter how difficult it is, no matter how difficult it is with the pressures of life, no matter how difficult it is to, to be who God is making you to be, no matter how difficult it is, don't lose heart. Keep doing good. Don't lose heart because you're going to reap a harvest and you're going to reap in due season who God is making you to be. You're going to see that come to pass. We just got to listen to God's voice more than any other voice. Don't compromise. Don't cut corners. But know that when we take responsibility, even of right now, you may be in a, a situation that you're saying, but it's it's long time ago. I can't, I can't, I can't recover that. And that's true. We can't recover certain things in our past. We can't, we can't make up for our past mistakes, but we can do things today that puts us on a different trajectory for our future. Not based on performance, not based on pressure, but based on the word of God. Did you know that Jesus never gave in to pressure or performance? He had an assignment and listened to the voice of the Father more than any other voice. But there's something that Jesus did that no one else could ever do. 
not only did he take responsibility for his actions, he also took responsibility for our actions. That he paid the price for our sins. We could never pay that. Performance couldn't do it. And so Jesus says, I'm going to give my very own life and I'm not going to compromise and I'm going to take your place on the cross, the cross that we deserved. May we be more like Jesus. Then we won't need to fake it till we make it. It'll be Jesus living in us and through us. And when he does that, we'll begin to see our true identity. And when we begin to live our true identity, that's as real as it gets. Amen. You can close your Bibles and put away your notes. I'm going to pray. And I would hope that even during this series that we would continue to press into God and, and, and live out our identity. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads for a moment? Heavenly Father, we're, we're so grateful that we can learn from you. That in this season that we're in, especially learning about our identity, that we would trust you. Help us to obey your voice more than any other voice. That we would listen to your voice. We also know that we go through life compromising, but we don't want to compromise anymore. We want to live out our godly values as well as take care of our responsibilities. And even to make decisions today so that our future will be more fruitful, more successful in you. Now, there may be some of you this morning, you've never given your heart to Christ. Maybe you've been feeling that tug on your heart or maybe you've been sensing that something's missing from my life and you've never said yes to Jesus. And maybe today is your day that no longer are you going to give in to the pressures of the world or, or perform, but, but you're now going to be the child of the King, the child of, of the Almighty God. And we're all children, just maybe today you're recognizing that. And if you want to receive Jesus, I want you to just lift a hand real briefly. And you're just acknowledging, I want Christ. Yeah, God sees your hand right there. God sees you right there. God sees you. Yep, yep, God sees you. God bless you back there. God sees you. Yeah, and you're just saying yes to him. God sees you right there, right there. Yeah. It's the most important decision that you and I will ever make in this life. Saying yes to Jesus. You put your hands down. You know, at the end of service, for those of you who are saying yes to Jesus, we have a yes packet. Please pick one of those up from an usher. It's a Bible with some reading material. It'll help you with your walk with Christ. For many of us, even though we're believers, we still fall prey to pressure and performance. But Lord, we want to we wanna live our life for you. We want to live in such a way that when people see our good works, they glorify you in heaven. That it's not about watching us, but it's about turning to you. And so even as believers, Lord, that's our commitment today, that we would would follow you, that we would realign our hearts to you today. Let's say this prayer together, especially for those who are saying yes to Jesus for the first time. And in this prayer, what you're doing is you're actually giving your life to Christ and receiving him as your Lord and Savior. And it's a heart thing. So God hears your heart. But as we say these words, just mean it with all your heart. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. 
Forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. Make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. I pray this in your name. We all said together, amen, amen. Can we just congratulate those that said yes to Jesus today?